Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Off he gets the snap. Hands off. Gibbs breaking a tackle 20. Coming to the near side, the 10. Near sideline 5. He goes inside the pylon. That is a Detroit touchdown. Tuesday edition of PFT Live, rookie Jameer Gibbs having his best game so far of his career. Good time to have it. Prime time Monday Night Football. Good team against which to have it. The Las Vegas Raiders seem lost right now. Although, although, Christopher, got to give their defense credit. They fought and battled up until the very end. Got to give them props for not giving up. As the broadcast noted last night they're paid professionals, but still, you get to a point where you've just had enough. It's pointless. Why are we doing this? The offense isn't doing anything with what we're giving them. Why bother? So I credit them. And good morning. And by the way, you don't wear a hoodie yesterday when that, it's the that's right. swanky Eagles throwback. Right. You wear one today as kind of a not-so-subtle middle, middle finger to them and to me well, for well, getting it for hey, it more, under more, the implicit <clears throat> Right. In representation, you would wear it. Well, right. Right, right. listen, I'll wear it. I, I, I didn't, as you saw yesterday, I never said I would wear it on the show. The middle finger is not to the Eagles. It is to you. Let's make it clear, okay? I, it is implicitly to you. I, all right? It's right at you. Uh, but the Eagles, I, I appreciate it. But, I mean, come on. I'm Phil Simms' son. I grew up watching the Giants. How much love are we going to give the Eagles on a Monday Monday morning show? You wore the hoodie. That was it. I wasn't going to do a tag team duo of it. I'll break it out at some point and show you that I wore it. I do really like it. Got rave reviews at the house yesterday uh, from even, you know, all kids. So uh, that, that was cool. But uh, happy Halloween, too, man. Uh, uh, good, good to see you. I hope you're well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. I am well. It is Halloween. I'm getting getting ready to go out and trick-or-treat tonight. We get zero at our house. Zero. We have four kids in the neighborhood, and by neighborhood, that is a very loose definition of it. There are houses 
way down the hill where kids happen to live. And I think it's gotten to the point where they don't even walk up. My wife takes it down to them with the car. So the entire spirit of trick-or-treat has been turned on its head. My wife went out yesterday, and she's got – let me tell you something. Hey, kids, you should want to live in our neighborhood. She's got giant freaking bags of candy. Like, where's mine? It's like it's not for e- – it's for every one of them. They've got their own. Well, put a big bowl at the ba- bottom of the driveway and let them go to town. Just let it let it be out there. I mean, we might as well. I, that's It's awesome you getting the big candy bars and all that. I mean, will you no, – she's ha- – let me, let me be clear on yeah. this. My wife is hand-delivering to the children I, of the neighborhood I was, their yeah. own individual giant bags of candy. I, well, I like that. That's what you should do. You're rich. You got so much money, you don't even know what to do with it. <laughs> oh, shit. And, and damn, I mean, what, are you going to make the kids walk a half a mile up Chateau de Florio's driveway? So, yeah, they, you know, that's you got to go down to them. You just you, you you. I think the way you are now, you I mean you should be in Butler category. Just get your Butler to go down there and do it for you. Aren't you there yet? You're so damn rich. You're saving all this damn money. I mean, you might as well give them bags of candy. <laughs> first of all, first of all, son of guy that played in the NFL and who played in the NFL himself and who has worked in broadcasting for years now. Stop it. Second of all, not many Italians have butlers, I don't think. I don't know. I don't – I can't imagine. I don't like having anybody around all the time. No. Like, I couldn't imagine having <laughs> – could you imagine having somebody that isn't a family member in your house all the time? Like Alice from the Brady Bunch. Like at some point, Alice just needed to go home. I, I like, hear you. Why hear does you. the person have right. to live in your house? Right. And right. do they – you think they're comfortable – I live in some stranger's house. Yeah. That's my job. So, I know. Anyway, I know. It is. I'm with you. I'm with you. I hear you there all the way. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I, I think you'd probably get over it if you were like, man, it's 1030 at night. It'd, it'd be great if that butler could make me a turkey sandwich right now. You know, <laughs> then you might be like, OK, no, my, son and I had, <laughs> my son and I had that conversation not that long ago. Wouldn't it be great to have someone who would just make yeah, whatever you want? Right. Like, ding, you, you know, that would I'm, be pretty good. Ding. That would be pretty uh, good. It is annoying. You're in my kitchen. But damn, it is awesome that can you make me a peanut butter and jelly with some Dorito chips right now? Is that OK? <laughs> I might have even pondered that night while trying to fall asleep just roughly what it would cost to have someone around yeah. who would make food for you whenever you wanted, whatever you wanted, with no effort on your part, and it would always be really good and healthy, ideally. Yes. Not always, yeah. but at least you would know that, yeah, it's, it wasn't like you know soaked in butter, but right. it still tasted really good. I hear you there. I hear you there. All right, well, you, you should get your butt down to the bottom of the driveway today, all right? You deliver some of those that damn candy, uh, and I uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. My, my, you know, I'm at the I'm at the nobody comes to our house. You know, you saw where we live. It's kind of tough there that way. Uh, and I got a 17 and a 13 year old where you know, trick or treating is not really cool anymore, right? My 17 year old now is, you know, dressing up as a sexy referee and doing stuff like that. So that's still mind blowing. And then I can't even remember what my son is. My son, I think, is, um, uh, you know, what's the despicable me? I think he's being a minion this year with one of his friends. They're going to walk around. But I don't even know if he'll have the guts to wear the, the actual costume itself. So I'm going to be interested to see if he does it.
What is the cutoff for going trick-or-treating? I remember going at a certain age, and you kind of get a side-eye from right. the adults right. giving out the candy. And it's like, yeah, probably should just go buy my own candy at this point. I felt like it was like that, I don't know, 7th, 8th, ninth grade, right? I, I mean, I've, I remember having that feeling in 8th grade, maybe one, one you know, Halloween there, going around with the friends. It was like... We didn't. We just put a mask on, right? And I remember feeling like, man, I think we're a little too big to be doing this. I I, I remember having that thought, like a little five year olds running around the neighborhood, and you're kind of like in the mix there. That's when I remember having it. What What do you say? What do you think's the the cutoff line there? I think I think thirteen. Yeah, I think that's about it. Right. I think that's it. It was always though for a kid the biggest night of the year. You get to go out door to door and get a bunch of free stuff and then come home and eat it. And you would gradually work your way through the best stuff, save some of the best stuff for the next day, try to save some of the best stuff for the next day. And then you eventually get down to the Smarties. Remember Smarties? Oh, yeah. Smarties. Smarties. Yeah, sure. Sweet tarts, things like that. You're right. They get saved for a little while. the, the The stuff that you would still eat but wasn't necessarily your first choice in the bag. That was always that was always fun. And just that process of frenetically going door to door and shouting trick or treat and getting stuff and oh. judging your neighbors based upon how how generous right. they were right. and the kind of candy they did or didn't <laughs> give out. So those were some fun days. I remember when I was in the fifth grade, and I've told the stories before about the grade school football coach who was physically abusive to us. I mean, it actually happened. It's not like I'm lying. I mean, you get kicked in the ass, dragged around by the face mask. There were a lot of coaches who did that back in those days, but we were in whatever Catholic League championship that year, and he made us practice on the night of trick-or-treating wow. and also told us no trick-or-treating that night. Like, you know, I guess, you know, you got to rest up for the big game, even though we were in the fifth grade and we didn't play, right? <laughs> it was eighth grade down to fifth grade. So my buddy and I on the way home, we just decided, screw it. We're dressed like football players. We we got our helmets and started going door to door and used our helmets and got as much candy as we could in them. And we're constantly afraid that the coach would find out and kick us in the ass and drag us around by our face mask. But he never did. He never did. I got That was the first time I ever got away with something. And I still feel guilty about it. <laughs> 50 years later. All right. Speaking of football and speaking about getting away with something. Good Lord. I, look. What? I want to be positive about the Lions, yeah. but I try to, you know, I try to pay attention to what's trending, even though Twitter is not a real place. There's still vibes that you pick up, and the prevailing vibe today is what the hell is wrong with the Raiders, and why do they have Jimmy Garoppolo when they had Derek Carr, and what's Josh McDaniels really doing to make this team any better? Is there any reason for hope for the Raiders at this point after what we saw last night? Uh, I, well, that that's the the you know. They're in a weird spot, like you said a few minutes ago, where you know, the record's not that bad. They stay competitive in football games, right? I do think, they, as you saw last night, their defense is well coached. They play hard. The offense got issues, whether it's Josh Jacobs just getting into shape now, the O-line kind of looking better. But, yeah, the Garoppolo thing, all that. But they do know how to manage games for the most part, right? So, yeah, they're in a spot to me of, like, they might win and steal, like, steal a few games as the season goes on here. But you look at them in totality and go, yeah, there's no way. They're, they're not a playoff football team. There's nothing like that. In fact, I'm not sure they're not towards the bottom of the league 
as far as overall total talent on their football team, you know, but I do think their coaching hides some holes there. And then I want to go, well, where does it go from here? You know, they're, they look like a team, yeah, they need a top three, top four, top five pick. They need a quarterback. They need something uh, as far as splash in that organization. You know, like we, we were talking here, I mean, their defense, like you said, respect, but there's not a lot of players out there that I think are blue-chip type players, at least valued that way throughout the NFL. And on the offensive side of the ball, I think it's kind of fair to say that too. So, yeah, they're a little bit stuck in no man's land as far as I'm concerned with the Raiders, and I don't know where it's going to go as the future goes here with them. There was an interview by Rich Eisen with Devontae Adams that was recorded late last week. It yeah. was part of the Westwood One pregame show last night, and Adams – was very, very positive yeah. and unequivocal about his desire to stay with the Raiders, to not be traded. He'd been the subject of some trade speculation just because here's an elite receiver playing for a team that isn't going anywhere. The way his contract was structured, it's possible after this year they're going to move on anyway. And if you're a team thinking about trading a guy who's under contract for multiple more years, you can always wait until after the season and do it. Your compensation's going to be the same if you're looking at 2024 20, draft picks, whether you get them now or whether you get them in the offseason when you have more of a time to really shop him and maybe more teams to get to the table. But regardless, he said he didn't want to go. Last night, Chris, yeah, he looked like somebody who's ready to go. He was ready to go off. The video, the clip that is making the rounds widely on Twitter has him slamming down his helmet, people trying to read his lips. I'm not sure that the, leap re- the, the lip reading or leap ridding, as the case may be, effort is accurate, but he's clearly not happy. And I think this was after he was comp- he was wide open. He was wide open and they wide missed open. him. Right. Oh, and Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. missed him. Right. That I think that you're right there. That might have been he was wide open, Jimmy Garoppolo missed him. And then also, I believe it was the fourth down play, you know, a few plays later where the Detroit Lions bring out an all-out blitz. So here's the second down play. I mean, come on. You know, again, you know, for all those who go, all Jimmy D- G does is win. Like, you, you, you the, 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 no, let's just stop hey, all that. Okay. Hey, I did. All right. I watched. Hey, I didn't yeah. hear any of that from Troy and Joe last night. Thank you. They didn't. They didn't use that. All, right. all he does is win. Graphic last night. Maybe they're conducive to constructive criticism. And if so, you're welcome because that was a ridiculous take. The last time we saw the Raiders, all due respect. All he does is win. All he does is take a team that's ready to win and not screw it up until it's really important. That's what he does. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. Well, right. I, I, I would agree with that. Yes. He's good. He's good, but he's been, he was fortunate to be on a great team that, you know, made him look a little bit better and had a great coach who knew how to dial things up that fit him and fit him specifically and made him look better than what he was. So, yes, that kind of added to the lure of Jimmy G. But he misses that throw there, right? Uh, the fourth down, where I think Devontae Adams gets frustrated even more, is not only was he missed there, but then they bring out an all-out blitz, and he's got a post down the middle, and that it should have been, hey, I take a drop, and I just throw it deep down the middle to my best receiver and one of the best in football and let him be one-on-one, and he catches it or we get pass interference or whatever. So that's where he's at his wit's end. You know, so yes, I, I understand that. I do think the Raiders are in a, I, I, you know, they need to do something drastic. That's what I, I would say. They're kind of stuck in this, oh yeah, we might get a top 10 pick or a top 12 pick. We get that. 
But is that going to be enough to flip over your team? The quarterback issue is real. You're right. They got rid of Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, uh, Derek Carr. I don't think he was their cup of tea. And now they got Jimmy Garoppolo. And, of course, between injuries and their running game not working and Josh Jacobs not being healthy, you know, he hasn't looked good because now he's having to do too much. And as you see, when you have to drop back or do too much with Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, it's not that great. The interception he threw down in the red area after they got a short field turnover there, that was an embarrassing throw. I mean, it was a, a pop fly to the free safety, right? Uh, I, I can't remember how they got the ball here right there with that first one. Was that the um, – mm, Josh, was that one of the receivers fumbled? I can't remember what turnover it was, but to throw that pass into that coverage, right. I mean, look, I mean, th- that looked like Josh McDaniel said, are, are you kidding me? That's what it looked like he said. So, yeah, the Raiders are in a weird, weird spot, and I do think they need to do something drastic to kind of flip around the talent on their football team. Well, here's Josh McDaniels, second-year coach of the Raiders, talking after the game about whether he'll be looking to make changes offensively. Have a listen. Josh, I know you're only eight games in. you still got nine left. But I'm, at this point in the season, when the offense hasn't taken off, mm-hmm. do you have to look at everything? Do you stay the course? Yeah, we should, Hondo. Honestly, we should. I mean, it's just it's not productive enough, you know, so – you know, whether it, it doesn't matter, you pick a pick a winner, you know what I mean? Honestly, um, we have to be able to produce more points in order to win games in this league. And right now we're not doing that. And so uh, that's obviously my responsibility. And we'll take a look at everything we're doing, uh, everybody that's doing it, you know, and try to figure out if there's a better way, you know, and uh, that's what we can do. You know, and again, you're right. There's there's still nine games to go, you know, so we have a lot of football left. Um, we have played stretches of good football, but you know certainly not consistently enough. I'm not going to talk about that right now. Yeah. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio, and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions. So the question at the end, would you make a change at quarterback? He says he's not going to talk about that right now, which which is far different from get out of here. Of yeah. course not. So yeah. that's on the table. But the problem is, who do you change to? Exactly. Ryan Hoyer. There you go. Aiden O'Connell. Right. What do you do? Unless you are in 
soft tank mode, and the idea is let's just go ahead and develop young players, see what they have, right. and hope we lose along the way. But you know what? If the goal at this point, frankly, is to keep losing, maybe you just ride the horse that you're on right now because Jimmy Garoppolo is doing a hell of a job of soft tanking the Raiders into the dirt. Now, and part of it isn't all his fault. I see that he had pressure, extra pressure, yeah, 71%. Of the dropbacks last night, that's the highest rate by a defense since 2018. Six sacks of Jimmy Garoppolo. So he was under siege all night. He took a low hit, Kimo Von Olhoffen style to the knee. And I was amazed he kept going. It looked like he was yeah. in torn ACL territory, the way he got hit in the end zone in the second half. So, you know, if you don't have protection, we saw that with Daniel Jones a few weeks ago. And we said, hey, get off Daniel Jones. He had no protection. Yeah. So it wasn't like Jimmy Garoppolo had a lot of time. So it's not all his fault, but it's a total and complete across-the-board failure of the Raiders' offense. They have all the money they invested in Josh Jacobs to get him back for one year where they gave him extra money on top of the franchise tag. They've got Devontae Adams. They specifically handpicked Jimmy Garoppolo when there were other options available. It's just not working for the Raiders' offense. And at some point, it goes back to the head coach. This is the tweet that I noticed this morning from Josh Dubow of the Associated Press. Here's what Josh McDaniels has accomplished in 25 games as the Raiders coach. Right. One, lost to an undrafted Division II rookie quarterback making his first start in the NFL. That was just last week. Two, lost to a high school coach in his first game. That was Jeff Saturday last year when Jim Irsay right. hired him with no NFL coaching experience. Three, Blew a double-digit lead to a quarterback who had never practiced with the team. That's a reference to the Thursday night game last year against the Rams and Baker, Baker Mayfield, Mayfield when right. he showed up on a Tuesday. Blew the biggest lead in franchise history, 20 points. Blew three other double-digit leads. Got shut out in a game when his starting offense didn't cross midfield. Had the fourth game in franchise history with 80 or fewer yards rushing and passing. What's next? So at some point it's on him. But you know what? People ask all the time. When are they going to fire Josh McDaniels? When are they going to fire Josh McDaniels? Well, Mark Davis will do whatever the hell he pleases. Because Mark Davis is still making money, folks. That stadium is going to be full every game. Because if it's not Raiders fans, you know who's going to be there? Fans of the team that's come to town to play the Raiders. Because it's a destination team now. You don't need to have a great team. It's not that you want to be bad. But you're not going to put yourself in a position where you have to write a giant check to buy out Josh McDaniels. When you really don't need to. I, I talk about this with officiating all the time. Why didn't the NFL spend more money on officiating? Well, it feels like it doesn't need to. What's the return on that money we're spending? Same thing with Mark Davis. Why do I need to write a big check to make Josh McDaniels go away? What am I getting from that? I'm not losing money if I keep him. They're still going to fill the stadium. They're still going to put us in prime time. We're still the Raiders. So it was just like with John Gruden, who wasn't getting it done in the second stint with the Raiders, and there was no way Davis was going to fire him. I feel like some of that same vibe, Chris, applies to McDaniels. I, I, and it's only year two. I hear you. Right? Yeah. The Patriot way takes time. It does. That's the one that, thing I will say. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trying to build a completely different team than what John Gruden had and what he passed off to Rich Passaccia, right? And then they went to the playoffs. That's the first problem is the optics look bad. Okay, where they went to the playoffs and Josh McDaniels take, takes over. And of course, they haven't gone to the playoffs two years in a row. Right. Some of the things you talked about in that tweet and all that, you know, those are also Derek Carr related. We can go back to some of those games and I'd go, well, if you go back and watch, it'd be hard when your quarterback plays like that. Right. That's why he's not there anymore. So they made an aggressive move there to get rid of him. 
like you've heard me say, I think last week or two weeks ago, I think in their heart of hearts, they thought they were going to get a quarterback in the top 10 this year. And then I, you know, must've not liked Will Levis. Okay. And that's fine. I think there was a lot of people that questioned that. So they weren't like crazy there. Um, I know it looks a little weird after he just threw four touchdowns yesterday or two days ago, but they kind of got left out of that conversation. So in my heart of hearts, I think they got Jimmy Garoppolo, and they also thought they were going to get a top-end quarterback and be able to develop and go, hey, look, the future's bright. Yeah. We got something here. It didn't work out that way. And then you got the Jimmy Garoppolo also, let's throw on the, oh, wait, I lied to you guys, and I actually do need foot surgery, and it's worse than you think, right? So they gave them that money. He doesn't practice. You don't have the running back all, all uh, training camp. He was the best player on your team last year, right? Now the quarterback issue falls into, okay, now the Devontae Adams issue, right? So they're really in a tough spot. That's where I kind of say they need to do something drastic here to kind of give the team hope instead of just like, hey, we're going to win a game every now and then and be competitive and do all that. I don't know if that's really, you know, the route to go right here. I, I don't. And when I say something drastic, I mean, I mean drastic. Yeah. I mean, if I were them, I would listen to offers about Devontae Adams. Where are we going? You're not winning the Super Bowl this year. You're not winning the Super Bowl next year. You're not. There's too many pieces on that roster that still need to be filled in. So that's where I get into it, and that's where, yeah, McDaniels and, and company are in a very tough spot, and they got the pressure on them right now because of you know a lot of the things I just said. I did have a moment of panic last night. I shared it with you via text. Yeah. The Raiders initially – had placed Jimmy Garoppolo on (laughs) their Twitter version of their inactive list, and he was completely healthy. And my first thought was, oh, no, they're trading him to the Vikings. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, Fortunately, it was just the Raiders screwed up, and they had copied a portion of last week's inactive list. Jimmy Garoppolo was active, as we saw last night. So he could still, in theory, be traded today, but... If I'm the Vikings, and we're going to talk about what they're thinking about doing later, that's not an option for me. I don't want Jimmy Garoppolo running the offense in Minnesota. Yeah. And who knows whether they want him running the offense going forward in Las Vegas. But, again, I have to balance that against the fact that he was under duress a lot of the night. He was. He was under the duress. Well, I'd love – can we go back to that package, too, you know, as far as him being under duress? The other thing that makes Jimmy Garoppolo, to me, it's, like, way different than the Daniel Jones Seattle Seahawks one. That one, like, you didn't really know he was under that much duress until you looked at the stats and you went, whoa, he was under duress, right? You didn't need to look at that in the Daniel Jones Seattle Seahawks game. You knew it was like, oh, my gosh. And the other thing that makes it, like, here, you know, I know that wasn't great pass protection, but there was almost three seconds there to throw. It wasn't the worst, right? There's an absolute, whether that's the quarterback or the center, not identifying a blitz, that's an issue. But the other thing, and, you know, even there, I know that's not great, But it's not the worst. I don't think it's comparable to Daniel Jones and the Seahawks. The thing that makes it look even worse, Mike, and you brought this up before, is for 2023, he is the least mobile quarterback in football. That's the other thing that's tough. He can't can't make a play outside the pocket. He can't even get out of the pocket. That is hard in today's NFL. As we talk about all the time, there is freaks 
everywhere on the defense right now. Every team has studs on the edge. They got linebackers that can fly around. If you can't move a little bit as a quarterback right now, I mean, you might as well just say forget it. You got to have a great team around you or something else great that protects you, like playing for the 49ers with the best run game in football, right? So that's where it gets compounded too. He gets no off-schedule plays. He makes nothing happen above and beyond the playbook and then barely executes I would say he doesn't execute what is there to have in the playbook, right? I mean, we saw plays last night where you go, what the hell is that? What kind of throw is that? What is he looking at? So that's uh, – I, I understand you not wanting Jimmy Garoppolo, and uh, it's it's a tough spot. And as it looks right now, he's going to be relegated to being a backup quarterback next year. I mean, at least Kirk Cousins, who is a far cry from Patrick Mahomes, we saw last – Monday night processing, even right. though he He'll doesn't get have it that out. people mobility. are about to hit him processing, get, it out. Dude, get this, rid of the right. ball. Exactly. Move a little bit. Exactly. Shuffle a little bit, right. slide a little bit, Boom. do something. Oh, I got it and, out. Yes. yes. Not just turtle and, and, and accept and just keep it because the you know there's nothing like, you can do. I'll just pat the ball. And I just, yes, exactly. That, that, that's what I'm saying. So they got, that's where I keep going back to. You got the Chandler Jones distraction that happened. Right? It'd be great if that wasn't an issue, and maybe they could use him as trade bait right now and get something for him. Uh, so they've had some things that are outside of their control, some inside of their control, and, they're, and the optics of the situation make it look real tough. And that's where I mean. I feel like they're in no man's land right now. And that's where I keep coming back to the word drastic is they need to, they need to change something in a big way to, to make a splash and turn over their football team a little bit. They had one really good drive where they leaned on Josh Jacobs, as yeah. they should, given what they're paying him. Right. But that wasn't something that continued. He was asked after the game what they should do on offense. He said, I don't know. It's not my job, which is accurate and literal. And what is he supposed to say? Yeah. He's not the one drawing up the plays. He's not the one calling the plays. We've talked about Devontae Adams and how he said last week he's happy to stay with the Raiders. Today's the trade deadline, 4 o'clock Eastern. It's unlikely that something will happen. But we saw his frustrations on the sideline let's hear a little bit from Devontae Adams after last night's loss by the Raiders to the Lions honestly I, I don't know what to say at this moment I, I truly don't I wish I had the the words to you know to say something that's not going to get blown up in the media and, and taken out of context so I'm gonna just uh, I truly I just don't know what are you feeling right now can you elaborate on anything going through your mind Frustration, but I mean, that's that kind of goes without saying. You know, I know you said that you, know, you have confidence whenever you're out there and offensive stability, but is it kind of hard to, to maintain that when the results are what they've been? No, it's not hard to maintain the confidence in our offense. It's just hard to curb your frustration when you can't put it together when you know you should. Targeted seven times with only one catch last night for 11 yards. That is something. And the targets are up since he complained in the aftermath of the Patriots game. Look, you've got a guy who's one of the best receivers in football. He sees what A.J. Brown and Tyree Kill are doing, both of whom were traded in the same cycle he was. Yeah. And he's left behind, not having the opportunity to prove what he can do. And I guarantee you, Chris, he believes if I was in Miami, I'd have Tyree Kill numbers. If I was in Philadelphia, I'd have A.J. Brown numbers. If I was anywhere else, I'd have much bigger numbers than I have right now. 
how can he go catch the ball when it's that far over his head? I mean, he's wide open. It's so. right. I mean, that, that that's that's like walk-in touchdown. That's like, you know, I know he got hit there, but that's like that's like just throw it in the general vicinity. Don't try to drop it in the bucket. He's wide open. Like, what are you trying to do? Same thing with this one. Throw it right at him. What are we, like, working on dropping it in the bucket like you got perfect tight coverage? You can see he's not covered. Just throw a pop-up. Make sure you get the completion. That's where there's just natural feel that misses from Jimmy Garoppolo in my in my estimation there. And, of course, he's frustrated. You know, I don't think he's quite the caliber of the guys you name, but, damn, he's not that far off. He definitely would have better stats. We saw last year. I mean, he led the NFL last year in receiving uh, and, and had a quarterback that at least, you know, looked to feed him. I don't think he probably even fed him as much as they would have liked him to, especially in some clutch moments. But I understand his frustration. There's nothing else on that offense right now other than him. And he's the only thing that can hurt you. And he only gets a few opportunities a game to get coverages like that where it's like, whoa, I'm one-on-one. They're not going, let's just stop Devontae here. And they can't take advantage of him in those situations. And then, of course, on a lot of the other plays, defenses are going, hey, the only thing that can hurt us is Devontae. Let's not let him do that, right? And, of course, teams are also emboldened to blitz because Jimmy can't run and he's not great, doesn't have the biggest strong arm or anything like that. So that's where there's a myriad of issues surrounding the connection of Garoppolo to Devontae Adams. They really should be selling as much as they can right now, but the clock is ticking toward 4 o'clock Eastern today. They played Monday night. How much time do you have to do a deal? Both sides have to come to an agreement. Both sides want to play hardball. Both sides want to look good in the media for the deal that they did. It's hard to get a win-win when you don't have a whole lot of time for the two sides to come to a full understanding. So we'll be watching the Raiders closely today because they're in a position where if it's a guy that's not going to be part of the long-term solution, why not consider trading him now? With the only caveat being, especially for guys with multiple years left under contract, you can wait until the offseason and have more time to ponder the right destination, get the players input, just have it all work out more smoothly, have more teams interested and participating in the process on bidding for the contract that's remaining. And Devontae Adams has, I think, three years left. So that's the other side of it as well. Not a whole lot of time to do something, but the bottom line is the Raiders, as you said, Chris, they're not going to the Super Bowl this year. They're not going to the Super Bowl next year. It feels like they're a long way away, especially in that division. Right. With the Chargers, the Chiefs, and the Broncos, it feels like they're a long way away from being a contending team. Meanwhile, the Lions, just one year after being 1-6, and six, are now 6-2. and two. They look pretty damn good. They overcame three turnovers last night in the smothering of the Raiders. And at times, hey, after the Jared Goff pick six, Jared Goff, as these games get higher stakes late in the year and into the playoffs, he's the guy that you watch to see whether or not he's going to make a big mistake in a big spot and screw everything up. That pick six almost screwed everything up Holy last cow. night. Yeah. I mean, they, they were they were doing their damnedest to screw the game up there for a while. I mean, you know, between the pick six, the, the fumble at the three-yard line going in to score – I mean, it just felt like, okay, this is the drive they're going to put them away. This is the drive they're going to put away. They did what? Oh, my gosh, they're still in this thing? You know, that's a play right there. Anybody that's been in the West Coast system knows that. That's 200 jet X slant spacing, right? And after you get, like, the slant's not open on the backside, 
you got to be real careful throwing that ball late out into the flat like that right there. Uh, so the, the, and then especially when you know Marcus Peters is out there, he's played some ball. He's Walk got great me through ball it. Skills. Walk yeah. me through it. Sure. I'm, I'm interested now. Sure. What's what's he? What's the quarterback do on that play? Then what's the first option? The first option slant is the backside slant. Right. He looks there. He doesn't like that. Then they want you to reset with depth. There's going to be a guy over the middle, just about five or six yards, and then there's going to be another guy to his right about five or six yards to the right of that, who also is going to hook up for it. So it's like, hey, if we get zone, we'll try to throw the slant. But you see there's a guy there. You don't like that, so it was a hitch, excuse me. Now you see the other two guys, right? They, they kind of sit over the ball there. And then the outside guy runs like a little out route. And it's a play that, you know, quite honestly, I usually make fun of these type of plays because it's very basic. It's like the first play you put in an OTAs, and I go, hey, defenses, they've seen this play a thousand million times already this year, right? You could see everybody's covered up. You know, Peters is playing off. He's kind of reading the situation when he starts to see, whoa, Goff is going to come all the way out here as the the, the fourth read. That's when he starts to go, okay, I, I'm going to be able to make a play on this. And, of course, it's a far throw all the way out to the sideline, and Goff didn't get enough on it, and then it was, you know, see you later. And uh, so that was a, a tough moment. And, yes, not one of my favorite play calls of Ben Johnson last night. There's a point where, as the quarterback, you just got to get rid of it. You got to throw it away. Yeah, that's just right. Kill it, dump right. the play. Yeah, and not 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 make a game that felt like it was in the process of becoming a blowout, and eventually sort of did. Yeah. a lot closer. That got very interesting. Sixteen, fourteen, very interesting. Once that happened, and started to think maybe the Raiders can use that as the springboard to try to try to steal this one. But alas, it was not to be. While we're in the neighborhood, yeah. of Jared Goff, possibly throwing a ball away when he should have. I don't see it in the outline, but but I have to mention, because it really was creating a stir last night on social media as it should have. First drive of the game. Yeah. Jared Goff, under duress, throws a pass. Looks like maybe it would be intentional grounding, although we know that the officials – apply a very broad definition of what it means for the ball to land in the vicinity of an eligible receiver. So after the play, Joe and Troy bring in John Perry, longtime NFL official, 20 years or something like that. Credentials, credentials, credentials. Listen to this guy. Everything he says is true. Every network's got one of those guys. And John Perry says, should have been grounding. Drive ends, field goal, go to break, come back. All of a sudden, we got a cameo. Whoa. Unannounced cameo like Don Rickles walking on to Johnny Carson's set. Google it, kids. Anyway, there's uh, Walt Anderson. Walt Anderson, the NFL's executive VP of officiating or senior VP of officiating, whatever. He's the guy in charge of officiating. And for the first time ever, live during a game. It was amazing. From 345 Park Avenue. Right. They're interviewing Walt Anderson, and he says, hey, we give him a lot of flexibility when they're in that setting to throw the ball away and the ball was in the direction and vicinity of Jameer Gibbs. He could have reached his hand up in the air and touched it. So it was a good call. Right. First time ever that that's happened. Yeah. Now two problems with this. Okay. Well, three, first of all, first of all, the rule doesn't say that the ball must be thrown in the direction and vicinity of the player. The rule says the ball must be thrown in the direction of a player and land in the vicinity of a player. It has to land in the vicinity of a player. So you just can't fire it 
over the head of a guy who just happens to be in the path of the ball and it lands 15 yards away. You threw it in his direction. It sure as hell didn't land in his vicinity. So, number one, Anderson got the rule wrong. I know it's too much to expect the person in charge of officiating to have the rules right. I'm sorry. I'm being too demanding. I'm being I'm I'm asking for too much that the man in charge of the officiating function throughout the league knows the rules. I'm sorry that I want that much. I apologize. Second, you undermine the guy that's on the payroll with ESPN to come in and explain this. Like, why even have John Perry? If you press a button and Walt Anderson materializes and explains the call. So what's the point in ESPN having John Perry, NBC having Terry McCauley, Fox having Dean Blandino, CBS having Gene Steratore? There's no need for it. We got this button we can press, and there's Walt Anderson. That's what was weird about it as well. And he contradicted what John Perry said. And finally, finally, box full of Pandora, Chris. <laughs> they have that when, when they did that, they threw open the box of Pandora, and Pandora is everywhere now because, I mean, I thought about it later in the game. There was some call later in the game. Oh, they're yeah, talking we about to know where he was. Well, the, the fumble. There was a fumble. A fumble, non-call call. Is it a fumble? Is it not a fumble? Well, press the button. Where's Walt? We know you've got the capacity to do it. We know Walt's hanging around in his NFL Shield polo. ready. To, he's, he's camera ready. Hit the button and have him explain it. That's the problem. You can't just pick and choose the moment you're going to be transparent. Transparency is something that happens all the time. Not, hey, look at this. Here's Walt Anderson to talk about a meaningless play in the grand scheme of things. All right, fine. But now you better use him for the stuff that happens in the second half when the game's close and it's more eventful and consequential. This was, of all... Let me measure my words carefully. I want to be like Devontae Adams. I don't want to say something that's going to be taken out of context. Of all the mistakes I've seen the NFL make when it comes to officiating, this may be the worst one ever. I'll say it. Because they have now created this weird, loose, vague expectation or idea that we're going to get input from the league on some of these controversial calls. When else is it going to happen? Where else is it going to happen? It was, in a word, bizarre. It was shocking to me, too. I'm with you there. It really was. And you're right. Once you saw him once, I would go, oh, wait, Reynolds fumbled inside the five, right? I think that's when you were talking about when Max Crosby, who, I mean, is an unbelievable football player. When we were talking about the Raiders, we should have we should have at least spent two minutes on yes. how amazing he is, right? But either way, uh, yeah, that was the moment where you're like, wow, that was a dicey call. It looked like forward momentum had stopped. I mean, it was a mosh pit of players from all due accounts. It looked like the lower body was down. It also looked like that the referees never saw a fumble. And here's my biggest problem with the play, that they let the Raiders defense talk them into as a fumble. Right? That, that, to me, was an issue. They didn't call it a fumble, and the Raiders were like, we got the ball, we got the ball, we got the ball, we got the ball. And after about a minute, they went, okay, yeah, your ball. Well, now we'll review it. Okay, now you screwed over the Lions because you just listened to the Raiders, and now that's the call on the field, and we're going to need that. But, yeah, I, I'm with you there. They opened up Pandora's box. Uh, I'll be interested. I mean, they to me showed like, hey, then why can't we do this all the time with all games and have somebody there to to talk and do that and and talk it through a little bit. Um, I have no problem, especially with the, standalone yeah, games, right? That's when where there's I think one it's game important. on at a time, right? Right. Right. That, prime time, yep. standalone games. 
And, 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 look, there was a time, not that long ago in the grand scheme of things, where the NFL had senior VPs of officiating who were available, were transparent, were willing to say mistakes were made when mistakes were made. It was Mike Pereira and then Dean Blandino. And why? You know, look, Dean Blandino told me as tactfully as he could on the record during a PFTPM interview six, seven years ago, the NFL doesn't value that position the way that it should, which is a nice way of saying the NFL is too cheap to pay what's necessary for someone great to be in that job. So if they were going to do this, I mean, they, they've shown us they can. Fine. Let's bring back Dean Blandino. Let's pay him accordingly wow, and have it. Blandino be the yeah. one yeah. that for, and I'm sorry, I'm not trying to run Terry McCauley, Gene's territory, and John Perry and, and uh, McCauley's involved in Thursday night as well. I'm not trying to take money out of anyone's pockets, but if they're going to do this, if they're going to just show it to us once in a while, you got to do it all the time. And you bring back Blandino, you pay him accordingly, and he's the guy that's available to all the networks during the games. You press the button and he comes in and he tells you the truth. It can't just be propaganda. It's got to be the truth. See, that's the problem. They don't necessarily want, and this starts with 345 Park Avenue. I think it trickles out to the partners. I don't know how much they want transparency and truth. I just, I don't know that they want to admit that mistakes were made. It's a tough spot. It is. But the bottom line is they have done more harm than good for their long-term interests by just showing and doing out of nowhere, kind of randomly for a call that wasn't all that important. This new thing that we may or may not see again. I, it just, at a time when it feels like officiating is under siege this is not the way to try to stop the bleeding. Chris. I, 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 I hear you there. Well, I, you know, the big picture just on to, to do that before we get back to the game a little bit is that, yeah, when, when Mike Pereira and Dean Blandino, the way they used to do it, I, I think sued over, it quieted a lot of the noise on the outside about that. You know, it made you feel like, hey, here's a guy who really knows what he's talking about. He's all over it. He explained it the right way, and it quiets the, the haters and the mouth breathers out there a little bit. There's no nothing like that from the NFL right now. That's where I think – and then, of course, it seems like people have less trust in the refs right now than ever before, let alone I would say, yeah, it does seem a little bit all over the place. So it would be great if they could find – you know, a, a voice like that. I don't know. I don't even care if it's in the game, whatever. After the games are over Monday, Tuesday, just to explain to the fans and everybody the thoughts and, and the and the process in which, you know, went on beyond behind the scenes with, with some of these calls. I think it would go a long way to uh, soothe some people over for sure. I don't think the NFL should be infringing on the broadcasts. I think it's something that should happen separate and apart I agree. from the broadcast. I, I really right. do. Right. That's what made it even weirder last night, that ESPN let them do it. Yes. Somebody at Disney should have said, no, 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 we're not doing this. We refuse to do it. At some point, the billions we pay you should have some sway. We're not doing this. You can do a video and put it on Twitter if you want. Remember there was a time they yeah, would do that? sure. 
They would do like when Al Riveron was the guy, they would do a video and it really wouldn't say anything. Like, what was the point? It, it's he explained it in the most basic, obvious terms possible. He never waited close to anything controversial. And Chris, one last point before yeah. we do go back to the game. Yeah. One of the problems with Pereira and Blandino being willing to admit mistakes, it pissed off the officials. They didn't want to be criticized. They didn't want their mistakes to be pointed uh, out. Well, you know what I say? That tough shit. Yeah, exactly Don't make right. mistakes that. That's right. Everybody else gets criticized for their mistakes. You're, you're riding around in the Pope Mobile, then you're insulated from all criticism because you make a mistake. Yeah. We're supposed to lie and say it really wasn't a mistake. Get out of here with that. If you don't like it, get out and let somebody else take the job. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that, too. Right. You know, hey, it's the NFL. It's 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 the big boy league, okay? So criticism's real. Referees should get it, too. You're right. It keeps everybody in check. That's fine. You know, they used to have, the, I thought, the right touch there with what they used to do. Um, so we'll, we'll see where it goes. I do think I had no problem with that being not called grounding. I will say that to get back to the main point, right. you know, that was right. okay. We see guys, quarterbacks do that and throw it in the general vicinity. I know that wasn't the vicinity of where it landed, but I mean, it was three inches from hitting him in the head too. So I think it was vicinity enough for me. Uh, and I think that was Jameer Gibbs who, by the way, yeah, yeah. Right. Jameer yes. Gibbs. I think the last back two to weeks, the game. right. Yes. He has showed like, oh, oh, for all those people out there that didn't think you should draft him in the top. He's not worth that. He's he should be picked between 20 and 32. How dare you take him between 10 and 20? You're crazy. Well, the up yours to everybody that said that because this guy's got three rockets up his butt. And you saw last night he's getting more and more comfortable in the NFL. He knows how to read the linebackers and. He's letting it fly a little bit here the last two weeks, and you're seeing a guy that's got a chance to be, again, one of the best dual-threat running backs in football, what we saw at Alabama. He's got another gear uh, that a lot of running backs don't have for, for big plays, and that was great to see him finally finally go off in his first big game as a Detroit Lion running back. 26 carries, 152 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, five catches, 37 yards. And remember, they had the sixth pick in the draft. They traded with the Cardinals. They could have had B. John Robinson and a lot of us yeah. included. Why didn't you just take B. John Robinson at six? Why go down to 12 and take Jameer Gibbs? Well, maybe they knew something the rest of us didn't. Maybe Brad Holmes looked at both guys and thought they're yeah. equal, right? Maybe Gibbs is better. Why is Robinson getting all the hype? Maybe Gibbs is somebody who will fit this offense better and perform better yeah. for us. Right. And look, you know, I mean, Robinson, Where's he been lately? And Gibbs Gibbs has had a stat line like no other rookie running backs had this year. So good for him. Good for the Lions. I'm not a big fan of the blue helmet, but that's okay. When you win, it looks better. Last <laughs> night, it looked better. I don't, I don't like the, the gray on gray. I don't like the blue helmet. I'll get, you get off my lawn, please. The, the, the Lions are another team that, why don't you just wear what you wore in the 70s? It looked great. It looked great. The lion on the on the side of the helmet with the tail, with the little tuft on the end of it, it looked great. All right, the yeah. lions looked great last night yes, or whatever they were. they were wearing. And, you know, the, the point we made after they got their asses handed to them by the Ravens, schedule gets pretty easy. Schedule is pretty simple to navigate. The only one left on the schedule that should give them pause is Week 17 at Dallas. They could go 14-3, and three, Chris. They really could. They could, especially a game like last night where they shoot themselves in the foot multiple times and still win the game by double digits. They got They're going to keep winning yeah. and winning and winning and winning. Yeah. If they can stay focused yep. 
And I, I trust Dan Campbell will do that. They can keep winning and winning and winning and winning all the way through to that Week 17 game. I think it's Saturday night, December 30. That should be a great game, and that hopefully will have very real playoff implications for one seed division championship in the NFC East, et cetera. But look at the rest. Look at what's coming no, up. It's incredible. Come on. They got, You're right. They got their bye. They're at the Chargers. Sorry, Chargers. You ain't going to beat the Lions. Bears, Packers, Saints, Bears, Broncos, Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. One game left that I'd worry about if I was the Lions. And I wouldn't just worry about it. I'd look forward to it. It's the chance to prove that the loss to the Ravens in Baltimore was a fluke. Right, right. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, agreed with you that there's nobody there on paper where you look at and go, they're better than the Lions. There's not. There's nobody there except for the Cowboys. That's the only team you're going to question. So 100% there. Favorable schedule. You know, the way they've looked, yeah, I would think they're going to win more than their fair share of those football games. No question. And, you know, the, the, the Ravens game, hey, we've seen great teams get killed before, right? It's not conducive to who they really are. Uh, the Ravens got hot on offense. The Lions kind of came out with a pass-first mentality a little bit, which is different from them in the game. You know, their O-line has not been at full strength. I don't think people realize that as of late either. So, you know, it kind of snowballed, and then the Ravens made a few big plays, and it got the Lions out of their games. But they're not 32 points worse than the Ravens. We know that. I think they're right in the same class as them. And the Lions, too, like, I think it's like they're still going this way. They're still like, wait, we're building something. We're still getting used to winning. Their defense, as we see, their front seven, it's big. It's hard to move them, right? They find creative ways to get after the quarterback a little bit. They play a lot of zone coverages for the most part in the back end, but they can dabble in man. Offensively, when their O-line's healthy, it's one of the best in football. You get Gibbs going. You see Laporta and what he can bring at tight end. He's a phenomenal player as a rookie, right? And you, we know Amon Ross St. Brown. He showed us again, like, what the hell were we all thinking, you know, thinking he was a fourth-round receiver, uh, they got other potential players to be scared of, and and uh, Jamison Williams, where you see he's got a rocket, three rockets up his butt too. So I don't even think they've hit their top potential yet either, and that's what's I think intriguing about the Lions. And I'd be shocked if the Lions weren't one of the top three seeds, you know, in the NFC playoffs, let alone maybe one or two when it's all said and done because of that schedule. Well, they'll. they'll- They'll clearly be at least three because four yeah. will be the NFC South, right. none of the above right. champion. The question is, can they get number one? Can they get to the point where the road to the Super Bowl goes through Ford Field so we don't have to subject Jared Goff to, to the, the Philadelphia elements? elements right. I hear in you January. there. Right. 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 That's going to be the key. Anywhere. You never know what it's going to be in San Francisco that time of year. Seattle could be the one seed or at least higher than the Lions and have to go out there. Seattle's already beaten them in Detroit. You want everyone who you play in the playoffs to come to you, especially if you're Jared Goff. And then if you run the table and go to the Super Bowl, you don't have to worry about any elements whatsoever because the Super Bowl is under the Roomba uh, floor sweeper in uh, in Las Vegas, the uh, the Allegiant State. They can make it interesting, uh, Mike. I think to your point there, I do. I mean, we we've talked about. It. You brought it up a few times last week, right? The Eagles' schedule gets real here for a while, where they play just about all the best teams in football for about six weeks here. So that's going to be interesting. You're right. They slip up one or two games, you know, and like we said with that Lions' schedule. 
they certainly could be in play here for for the top seed and wouldn't be shocked with with you know kind of the things we've said already here. The only problem to this, the only caveat, and it's a big one. If the Lions end up having the one seed and in come the 49ers, in come the Eagles, in come the Seahawks, Lions haven't played many teams like that. Between Ravens and Cowboys, you're not, you're not dealing with great teams on a regular basis. And that like your Eagles theory at the end of hit. last year, right? That's what you're kind yeah. of saying, right? Yeah, right? That, yeah. yeah, it was too easy for them. It was too easy. They hadn't, been, they hadn't been hardened the same way the Chiefs had. They hadn't seen the season flash in front of their eyes. Everything had been easy for them in the postseason. And then they get to a point where they, they got, you know, they were in a position to deliver the death blow to the Chiefs, and they, they just they, they kind of froze up a little bit. So that may be an issue for the Lions when one of the other great teams, if it's the 49ers, if it's the Eagles, if they show up in the playoffs, the fact that you haven't played great teams second half of the season but for the Cowboys week 17, that could be something that's psychologically difficult for the Lions to process. All right, let's take a break. Trade deadline today, as previously mentioned. There was a little bit of action yesterday. Will there be more action today? We'll get up to speed, easy for him to say, on everything that happened on Monday when PFT Live continues right after this. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.